Welcome to Woke and Confused, the podcast delving into the environmental dilemmas of our time. From palm oil to plastics, climate change to behaviour change, doing the right thing can be a complete minefield. We're on this journey with you and we'll be exploring some of the day-to-day challenges we face and the decisions we struggle to make. We're your hosts, Livy Drake and Jessica Farrow, and we're Woke and Confused. Coming up in this episode, we look at the issues and impacts of fashion, what to do if you're a shopaholic, and if you're taking the buy nothing new challenge, what do you do about buying new underwear? We also have a really exciting announcement to make here at Woken Confused, so listen to the end to find out what it is. Ooh. Okay, so um, let's start off with some dilemmas. Dilemmas. So, Livy, what's your dilemma? I was uh, heading out to a birthday party on my bike. So I was cycling uh, to this party and set off, realised I didn't have my dress. It was on the washing line. And I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I was going through this particular part of Bristol um, and all the options were really was Asdols, Asda, Asdols in Bristol. <laughs> um, and, um, and then the Chazza shops, charity shops. And I thought, well, I... Okay, well, I don't want to buy anything from Asda, obviously. Uh, so I went into the charity shops, and every dress I picked up, guess where it was from? Asda. Yeah, it was the George range. So I was a bit like, I mean, I don't want to buy uh, what's known as fast fashion, really. But whenever I go to charity shops, I like a bright, colourful thing. So I always end up with a bit of Primani or a bit of George from Asda or Freddie and Fred and. Fred and Fanny or whoever it is. Oh, yeah, the F and F. F and F. Oh, that's what it is. Oh, that's where the thing that I recently bought's from. Yeah. Um, oh, is that Tesco? Or yeah. Sainsbury's or something, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really annoying as well. When you see your Primark top that's like five pounds, you're like, hang on, that's probably two pounds new. Yeah. <laughs> you can't mark up in a charity shop. Yeah, so I think, yeah, my dilemma is um, ending up buying fast fashion when I only shop in charity shops. How about you? Anything fashion oh. related? Oh, well, I have more of a confession than dilemma today, if it's fashion related. Okay, ready? I'm listening. Okay, so uh, forgive me, Attenborough, for I've sinned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I went um, I went t- uh, to Zara with a friend to buy something. And, um, well, they were getting something. And it wasn't I, you, it wasn't you. No, I wasn't. But I was waiting whilst I was waiting around. Inside the store? Yeah, inside the Aww. store. So I was waiting around. And then, of course, started looking at all the things and, of course, trying stuff on whilst I was just waiting. And then I saw this jacket that I thought, oh, it's quite nice. And I was like, don't buy it, don't buy it, don't buy it. And then I just thought, actually, no, I will definitely wear this. This is really good. This is exactly what I've been looking for. So I bought it and I felt really bad because I was thinking about all the reasons why you don't buy fast fashion. Um, and then... I went home and then a few a week later I realised I wasn't going to wear it. So I kept all the tags on and then I took it back. Um, so I got £40 back, which basically felt amazing. I felt like I'd just earned £40. <laughs> I think um, you are redeemed, Thank Jess. Thank you. You are redeemed. I did feel better. I felt, I felt um, kind of, re- I was repenting. So I think that's a good segue into explaining what's wrong with fast fashion. And that's sort of our big topic of today. 
So some of the big issues for me is the wastefulness of it. So fast fashion is about low quality, high volume collections. And these are in shops now. Often they change weekly. So back in the day, it used to be the spring season, the summer season, the autumn and winter collection. People then don't value it. And what's happening is in the UK, 300,000 tonnes of clothes are being chucked away and ending up in landfill every year. So that's about 30% of all clothing is just being chucked straight in the bin. Oh. And I mean, you can think, oh, well, yeah, that's okay. I actually give it to charity shops. But charity shops can't cope with all these clothes. And the bits that they, they can't sell, or they're just because they've got so much of it, they're actually shipping it abroad and it goes to other markets. And where it's, they've sent so much to places like Africa, the textile industry in Africa has completely disappeared. And now people are just wearing secondhand clothes. And people put all sorts of rubbish in those bins. I've seen pictures where people have sent shitty pants to Africa. Oh. Well, they've sent them to a given them to a charity shop and then the charity shops sent them on. Oh, God. And even in terms of just going on about the wastefulness, it's not just sort of the fast fashion brands and individuals. There was a big thing last year where Burberry and some other big brands were actually burning their stock rather than reducing it because they wanted to maintain the prices. So there's loads of fashion brands that actually just burn clothes. I mean, what? who is signing that off? That is just... They just... Because they want to obviously preserve the value of their product rather than selling it at a bargain price. Mm. But that's just shocking. That's just outrageous. And I remember when that story came out last year. And that's just one brand. Mm. But a lot of them are doing it and all of them are doing it. And I actually recently heard that the clothing industry is the second largest polluter in the world, which is second only to the oil industry. Because there's so many factories, it's actually, I think, about 1.2 billion tons of co2 that's produced by all these factories and then there's all the dyes and the things that are leaching into the rivers because quite often uh, clothes are being made in countries where they've got very few environmental standards so there's rivers in um, china which are just yellow and blue um so it's really yeah really horrific that's so bad i suppose because you know some people think okay well the the way to do this is uh, i have a nice organic sustainable cotton t-shirt is that a sustainable option well i think cotton is um organic cotton is probably better than normal cotton because actually cotton um uses loads of pesticides to produce it but but organic cotton doesn't right no but cotton is really a really water intensive crop mm. and actually um regardless of whether it's organic or not um one of the massive um, regions that grows cotton is um uzbekistan and Kazakhstan, and there used to be a sea there um, in that region called the Aral Sea. And over the years, it's just shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. And now it's just it's just a really small um, sort of space. And that's because all the water has been diverted for cotton growing and for all the factories that are producing cotton. And so the poor people who used to live next to the sea now live next to a desert. And so they're having you know massive mental health problems because of that. That's really awful. So... Uh, the other thing I've also seen is um, it's not just the environmental issues, which you've just mentioned, but it's also the social issues. So mm. I saw that there was quite a lot of a social media storm recently because Misguided, a uh, fast fashion brand, have, have been selling a one pound bikini. So it was like a, a black triangle bikini for one pound. I mean, you've got to wonder if you're buying a bikini for one pound, wh who's made that? Who's who's getting paid? Wh how much are they getting paid? And what? kind of horrible methods being used to to make it 
Um, so, yeah, there was obviously the example of the Rana Plaza factory that collapsed in Bangladesh and all the garment workers were killed. Um, so that was back in 2013. And those were factories that were making things for massive high street brands. And that's not... Um, and then, But if you look at some of those factories, there's often children working there. And actually, um, I read something that even in the UK, where you think, oh, it's made in the UK, that's going to be better. But um, they're somehow managing to pay people £3 an hour um, to work in factories in the UK. God. It's, so basically, there's so many things about fashion. It has a lot of dirty secrets and skeletons in the closet which thankfully mm. are coming out because of the increased transparency and consumer awareness and i was quite encouraged to see on the one pound bikini post where misguided were posting great look at buy a one pound bikini now loads of people underneath have commented this is outrageous how are you doing this why are you doing this this is horrible who's making these clothes so i think a lot there's a lot of consumer awareness or it's growing so i think mm. that's good to know so what can we do about this there's been lots of um, sort of campaigns recently, like Extinction Rebellion said that people should boycott fashion for a year and not buy anything new. But, you know, for some people that's kind of a bit of a challenge. So what I did was had a chat with Ursula from Fashion Revolution to see what she thought we should be doing about all these issues. Thank you, Ursula, for joining us on our fashion edition of Woke and Confused. Um, would you like to just say a bit about um, Fashion Revolution? and um, the role that you have there. Sure. Um, so my name is De Castro. I'm a recovering fashion designer. I was also the um, co-founder and co-curator of the sustainable fashion area at London Fashion Week between 2006 and 2014. Fashion Revolution was born as a result of the Rana Plaza collapse in Dhaka, Bangladesh in 2013, where 1,138 people were killed and over 2,500 were injured. And this was one of the worst industrial disasters in the fashion industry, but not the last one and not the first. Mm. My role within Fashion Revolution is that I'm the co-founder and I'm also the creative director. Wow. And so um, is Fashion Revolution just looking at the social implications of fashion and um, the welfare of um uh, garment makers or is it also looking at the environmental impacts of fashion? Absolutely both. I mean it's fair to say that we started with a stronger social remit because of the Rana Plaza disaster and because of the fact that we advocate for transparency and public disclosure but the truth is that you cannot separate people and planet. You cannot mm. look for, you know, um, uh, better jobs unless those jobs are in a safe environment. And you can't expect, you know, a, a safer environmental standards uh, that don't involve the people. So Fashion Revolution very strongly believes that the supply chain is a 360 degree, um, you know, system that needs to be protected from a social and environmental point of view and made better and made safer. You know, for me, um, we have to think of sustainability in a way as something that has been trending for billions of years and something that we are hardwired to. It is the last 30 years where we have made excess the default position. And mm. we are now so aware of 
unsustainable practices and unethical practices um, in our daily lives, really, that choosing to look at fashion as an opportunity to actually make a difference makes sense. I hardly mm. ever use the word sustainable fashion or ethical fashion. You know, it's just fashion to me. But the truth is that the fashion and textile industry affects 100% of the population. So it's not necessarily the fashion that we need to make sustainable, but our choices related to how we buy and wear the clothes that we buy. Mm. Um, if we think that way, then that is sustainable fashion. We don't necessarily just have to think of sustainable fashion as being organic cotton or um, uh, you know fair trade uh, systems or, or, or different materials. We have to think of it as you know our choices as well. You were saying before about um, we should shop differently. Yeah. What does that look like to you? You know, whatever I think, I'm just one of billions. And this is what is important that people understand. Fashion is a profoundly individual industry in many ways. It speaks about who we want to be, how we want to be seen. And so there isn't one overarching way of making things better or making ourselves more aware or improving our behavior. There are several different ways and each one will work differently for different people so you know when it comes to extinction rebellion i'm a huge fan of their movement but boycotting simply isn't for me because i take other considerations in mind you know for me um knowing that a blank boycott might in one way or another affect um garment workers and supply chain workers is reason enough not to boycott mm. um, however uh, you know, I'm just that kind of person. I believe that for many people, boycotting will be difficult, you know, for your average housewife whose kids are going to go back to school in September. You know, how is she going to do a blanket boycott of brands when there are those considerations to be taken? Um, you know, what about people that aren't really in a financial position to buy clothes in the first place? You know, it, it mm. seems a bit of a smack in the face. But nevertheless, it sends out a really strong message because lots of people will. So, you know, it is also about us campaigners all supporting each other in the different way that we campaign. Mm. So if for Fashion Revolution, um, a blanket boycott is not the right solution um, because we have other ways of thinking, we nevertheless um, wouldn't not support this initiative. So one of the things that we um, that we put forward when Extinction Rebellion came out with a boycott was, you know, we really support Extinction Rebellion, not necessarily the boycott, but come to see our website because we have so many and so many ideas for solutions, because we believe that the spirit and what it's aiming to raise awareness of and achieve is ultimately, you know, we share the same goal about supporting each other in the multiple ways that we wish to have our voices heard. And have you got some examples of, you know, if you're calling for a fashion revolution, um, ways that things are changing within the fashion industry to take into consideration environmental and social impacts? Well, I think that in general, fashion revolution is sufficiently proved enough on our own somehow that 
that the conversation is advanced and that there is a huge appetite to speak this language because just going from our numbers, you know, our hashtag who made my clothes um, and the other hashtag that we use, which is loved clothes last, again, both giving you an idea that of the social and the environmental. But, you know, we reached something like 280, nearly 280 million people last April um, with our activation. We have, um, you know, teams in, in, in over 60 countries, globally active teams um, of, of fashion revolutionaries. Um, we've seen you know, we, we contributed to the Environmental Audit Committee. So from the work that we do, I can say that the conversation is very different. I mean, bloody hell, five years ago, people didn't even know what supply chain was and certainly no idea as to what transparency was. And now these are common jargon in a way. Everyone talks about this. And we know that we've certainly been a huge part in, in activating this conversation. So it's, you know, it's global. We are beginning to see policy changes, you know, obviously, unfortunately not in the UK, but hey, let's look at France. Um, mm. And we are beginning to see, you know, a real uh, awareness around the, the both the social and environmental. Um, the environmental, obviously, at the moment, it's kind of taken um, an urgency of its own, also thanks to Extinction Rebellion, but of course, you know, Greta Thunberg um, in particular. So if people want to, you know, be able to still buy new clothes and they want to do, in inverted commas, the right thing, what advice would you give them about what they should be looking for when they, you know, as a conscious shopper? So the conscious shopper, I mean, this is something I've said before, but conscious is somehow the opposite of catatonic. And that's mm. what we've been. We've been catatonic. We buy because we've got a fiver in our pocket and that somehow translates into a T-shirt. Um, and that is the way not to buy, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, go and find the, you know, sustainable brand because there might be one close. There might not be. They might not be right for, you know, this audience or that person. But really the point about doing the right thing is to introduce measures such as efficiency, common sense, uh, judgment, buying something because you really, really, really want it, using employing self-torture in the sense that if you really like something, wait for it. Uh, that's mm. going to make you want it even more. So it really is, as far as I'm concerned, it's about reintroducing a strong emotional link to the things that we buy, that sends a very strong message out because it means that we're looking for quality. Um, and mm -hmm. it means that potentially we're looking for quality also in the lives of the people who make our things. The minute we start looking for better quality, we're also demanding for things to be better made. For things to be better made, it means that the people that make them have to have a higher degree of skills, which at present they're not necessarily employing or, or receiving. Mm -hmm. um, and something that is better made would also encourage itself, lend itself to be mended and, and repaired. That is as strong a message as boycotting, letting the brands know that, that we care, that we're watching, that we're turning our clothes inside out to inspect them before we're mm. buying, to ensure that we buy something that is well made, that will last, and that is an addition to our wardrobe rather than a, subtra a subtraction to the rest of the planet. Mm. 
And um, we've had lots of questions um, from our um, audience about buying underwear and active wear. You know, what should they do? What should people do about buying um, uh, leggings? You know, for going running and things. Do you have any advice or places that people should be looking to know where to get these things? Their gut instincts. Okay. <laughs> no, in the sense that, you know, I think that at the moment there is a bit of a frenzy. I don't know whether it was Ask Jeeves, you know, that thing on Google. But, you know, we are under the impression that we can ask a question and there comes the answer. When in fact yeah. we need to actually understand the question before we look for the answer. So when we're talking about active wear and micro wear, uh, sorry, um, um, underwear and active wear, um, often these are materials that are made with elastane, with polyester. So mm. is that the issue? Is that what worries this audience? So is it about washing? So potentially, would it be about looking at better washing instruction or buying, you know, better materials? Basically, what I'm trying to say is that there isn't a finite, simple place. There isn't like, oh, go to this retailer and everything in that retailer will be right. Because yeah. even if a retailer sells themselves by saying that every designer in there is ethically and sustainable, um, you know, vetted, it won't be right because things are changing all the time. So it really is about personal knowledge constantly. What interests you of this conversation? Mm -hmm. Is it yoga wear? And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm looking after my body and I'm looking after the planet. Then give it those 15, 20 extra minutes to actually do the research and go where you need to be because it's difficult for the experts to have all the answers in one mm -hmm. go. And there isn't one place that gives you all the answer, but there's enough out there for people who are genuinely interested to begin this journey. And this journey is literally all about a little bit of studying, further understanding, and celebrating the complexities that are facing us rather than being terrified of them. So the minute you say, okay, I'm aware of this problem, how can I become a part of the solution? That's the first step towards asking the right questions. Great, yeah, I think it's, yeah, being, um, being aware, isn't it? And not being afraid to ask those questions and even contacting brands and saying, oh, look, you're saying this. What does it mean? Exactly. Can, exactly. Can you... So transparency, which is all about public disclosure. I mean, you know, transparency is not a, a judgmental, you know, it doesn't necessarily lead you to best practice, but it leads us citizens towards a culture that is a bit more scrutinous. So mm. that if you see the address of a, of a factory in there and it is one of the brands that you buy from and you think, oh, great, look, they're publishing their first tier or they're publishing their manufacturers, ring them, <laughs> make sure that that factory is there. It's just a mm. question. How, how often are you audited or are you, you know, it's, it's a habit. Basically, what mm. I'm trying to say is that right now, the idea of a consumer actually calling a factory owner to check that is there is risible. But the reality is that we need to start to implement scrutiny in order for brands to know that they need to be accountable. That, you know, one million phone calls to check mm. what the brands are saying is actually correct. It's better than one million boycotts because it's actually yeah. talking directly to the supply chain and checking that what the brands are saying is real. So, you know, that should go alongside any boycott. So check all of your clothes that you've got, 
see how transparent the brand is and make sure the brand is telling the truth. They won't tell the truth about, you know, the, the rest is marketing. But when a brand mm. publishes their supply chain, you can check that those factories are there where they say they are, so it's not subcontracting. You can check that those materials that they say are certified are certified by a certification that you trust. You can do the legwork there. There's a lot of legwork to be done. Recycled polyester, obviously, is what should always be bought instead of virgin polyester. However, mm. personally, and this again is my opinion, I'm not convinced around turning a plastic bottle into a fiber. Um, it's not uh, efficient chemically wise. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, you can imagine you're taking something that is a bottle and you turn it into something else. Better to use that to stay into a bottle um, so, yeah. and, and use recycled fibers, polyester. To, to make the polyester. Um, you know, polyester will always be um, oil intensive and will always have a very toxic footprint. Lastly, uh, we, and I'm sure you do, have lots of um, environmental and sort of social dilemmas all the time. Um, one for me now has just come up about, because I love shiny things, so I buy, buy a lot or inherit a lot of secondhand shiny jackets. Um, and they're all made from polyester and they're yeah. all quite smelly because, the, um, you know, like, I get quite sweaty in them because they're shower them. polyester. So I'm always having to wash them. No, no, you can refresh them in the shower. So oh, I shower, well, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. polyester, the, the reason why polyester was invented is because it's easy carry. You don't have to earn it, I promise you. So apply some serious sponging, I'm going to talk really, you know, under the arms, serious yeah, sponging. Yeah, exactly, yeah. With a nice lavender, you know, just literally warm mm. water, lavender, whatever. And then you just sh have a shower with them. You put them on your shower. So the steam completely gets rid of the odour. You know, again, you can put any type of natural whatever or not, you know, it could be even Timothée, for God's sake. But, you know, literally, you, you just shower with them. Wow, this is this is a revelation. You're you're removing some of my guilt. This is great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm brilliant at removing guilt. Ah, oh, yeah. I'm feeling much better about my uh, polyester clothing now. I'll let you know how I get on showering with it. Yeah, that sounds like a really interesting method. I'm very curious. <laughs> Obviously, she made some big points there, and you know, ways to think about it. But just you know, Jess, what do you do about your uh, clothes shopping habits? Well, apart from my momentary blip in Zara um, a few weeks ago, which I then redeemed myself for. Um, You're forgiven. You're I do. Forgiven. I do tend to um, I don't buy I don't really like shopping very much. And I much prefer to support kind of local um, makers or suppliers. So if I see something at a craft market or at a festival that someone has made themselves, I really like that kind of stuff. I've also got some of my best or most favorite garments from clothes swaps. Yeah. So I have this really fantastic um, jumper jacket thing, which I got at a clothes swap in Leeds years ago. And I always get comments on it. And everyone says, that's amazing. And I got it from a clothes swap for free. Yeah. So I, yeah, clothes swaps are great things to do just with your mates. Well, you don't have to have a big organized one. You can just do it with your friends. And I've got some friends who, well, she just invites like, a range of her friends so we're not necessarily connected normally and you just put clothes in the middle of the room and then everyone's allowed to take one out to try it on 
and then if you want to keep it, you keep it, and then you can get another one. So this is to avoid people doing the like hoarding, like grabbing all the best bits and then not putting them back. I think that's good. I think it's good to have a few kind of rules, rules. around that because yeah, certainly the idea is not to leave with loads and loads more stuff. <laughs> it's kind of I think the idea is to get a few new pieces that you really love and that you'll mm. wear lots of times. So I think yeah, definitely recommend clothes swaps. I've done those a few times with my friends in recent years. Probably do another one actually. Um, and also yeah, charity shops like you. I mean, I got a wedding. I was invited to a wedding recently, and the the dress code. I didn't really have anything kind of to suit the dress code, and I found a really cool jumpsuit in a charity shop, which was a fiver, and I felt quite proud of myself that my bag was from a charity shop my outfit was from a charity shop and my shoes were just ages old that I've had in the cupboard for ages mm. so I I felt it was a really kind of low impact outfit for that wedding I think that thing um I'm just going to flag yeah I mean I do lots of charity shop shopping but I think the worst thing that we've got to is this point now is that everything's about it being cheap rather than people saying like oh this is a really great outfit I'm going to wear loads it's like oh it only cost a fiver and you know that with with the fast fashion is really negative because instead of people saying oh you know you say to someone oh really love your outfit and they go oh yeah it only costs three quid and it's like oh actually that's a you know it detracts that's true that's true i think one of the things that i was thinking before i bought that um jumpsuit was that i was keen to buy that particular one because i knew i'd wear it again and mm. i know lucy siegel who's um she's env environmental ethical fashion expert and she always talks about the 30 times wear rule so it's the rule of thumb where you um, w make sure that you're wearing, you, you before you buy something, that you know you'll commit to wearing it 30 times. And I knew that with this outfit, that I'd do that. Mm. So that's that's a really good, but you're right, you're right. We shouldn't talk about cost. And one other thing is that I, as you, as I mentioned in a previous episode, I went to Nepal. I flew to Nepal earlier <laughs> this year to go trekking in the Himalayas. And because it's a special, a lot of specialist kit was required. So things like trekking stuff and socks and underlayers and base layers. And actually, instead of going and buying all the stuff new, I sent a WhatsApp message to a few friends and just said, you're kind of outdoorsy people. Do you have anything I can borrow? And I ended up borrowing kind of 90% of the stuff that I needed from friends because mm. I knew I wouldn't need it really again. You weren't going to wear it 30 times again. No. So one thing I the only one thing I did buy was a down jacket, but not a down jacket. It's from Finisterre. It's like a recycled plastic instead of down so no feathers cruelty free mm. um and made out of recycled plastic so and i've already definitely worn that more than 30 times since i got it a few months ago so yeah love that jacket so i think that was it i saved my money bought something really good and borrowed the rest i think for me i kind of gave up following fashion when i moved to australia because i moved there and i didn't have many clothes and i was just a bit poor and I was going to all the fast fashion places and I was buying these clothes and they just would fall apart or they just go all like they'd lose all their shape and then I went into the charity shops and I'd never really done charity shop shopping before and I just started buying dresses that were really nice and I kind of made that my style in Australia and I've kind of kept it going so I just always wear like a really nice dress in general um so that for me has been my revelation with charity shop shopping and that's kind of now my identity also, the other thing is I am a, a sucker for a pair of high tops. I love high top trainers. Um, so I buy all of these on eBay. And um, again, it means that I don't have to spend so much money on them. And I get these brands that I probably would never want to go into a shop and buy. Like I would never want to buy a pair of Nike trainers directly because I don't want to support Nike and its values. But I've got a few. I've got a pair that are secondhand. Although I, I do have the question about actually even just wearing that brand, whether I'm actually endorsing it. But that's maybe a dilemma for another time. <laughs> that's getting really meta then, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, but I, I have to say, you do always look very stylish. Oh, thanks. I always feel quite underdressed next to you. <laughs> well, it's charity shop chic. 
But I did buy a dress. Um, the only new thing I've bought probably in the last couple of years was from a brand called Antiform. So they make their clothes out of post-factory fabric waste that would be wasted and so they get they've got links with the um, garment industry and then they use these um, bits of fabric to make dresses and it sounds like it's a bit hodgepodge but actually they're very um, classic designs that they use and then they just use the bits of fabrics of sort of like for a, um, a centerpiece and uh, they only have a limited number of these items available they actually make them to order so I ordered a dress from them and I was like oh I'll order three sizes because I didn't know which one it would be right and they're like do you want us to make you three dresses Livy okay no so I gave them my sizing and then once that fabric's used up they'll use another bit and then they have a new collection that's so very cool yeah so it's so I've actually got things made out of waste I'm that's, a waste man that's very cool that's very cool And now for our top tips on clothing. Number one. So you can still follow fashion, but just buy less and better quality. And you don't even need to buy things new. You can check out websites like Depop and eBay to buy things from people. And this is places where you can sell it as well. Number two. Before buying anything, whether it's new or secondhand, make sure that you can commit to wearing every piece at least 30 times. Number three, wash clothes less often and on a cooler wash. And if you've got some polyester clothing, have a go at washing it in the shower. Number four, do your research and trust your instincts. So if you're seeing a bikini on sale for one pound, it's probably not been made with the best ethical or environmental standards. And also there's apps available like Good On You, which help you to compare fashion brands and see their ethical and environmental standards. Number five, challenge the high street shops, ethics and values. In a conversation I was having with Anna Breyer from Labour Behind the Label last year, Labour Behind the Label are a, another campaigning organisation for garment workers' rights, and she was saying that we need to get over this belief that we are just passive consumers. We're actually global citizens and activists, and if we're not happy with the shop's practices, we should call them out on it. So she says that she still buys underwear from Marks and Spencers, but she sends them emails demanding that they pay a living wage to the makers. And we can all do that too. So that's how we get around buying new underwear. If you have to buy something new, then you can still shoot a message to the person in the head office and say that you're demanding better environmental and social standards. Exactly. So that leads nicely on to Greenwash Corner. And this week, uh, we handed it over to Ursula to explain about greenwash in fashion. Greenwash Corner. Every single brand in one way or another, you know, in, particularly in the mainstream, is greenwashing. Um, you can take absolutely every conversation that's happening right now with, I mean, not even a pinch of salt, a mountain of salt. Mm. So, but I'm going to turn around the concept of the greenwash, though, because um, it's a really difficult one to, to, to kind of, you know, analyze. Because on one level, um, 
is the greenwashing. I mean, for instance, say these the conscious collections. An example would be mm. the conscious collections. So they're a drop in the ocean. We know that they have absolutely zero impact in terms of, um, you know, that that proper impact on materials, on people, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yet they're bringing a conversation into places where that conversation wouldn't be. So mm. there is a huge danger that we are, uh, you know, that we will drink the green, the greenwash just for what it is, um, which is why I am such a pain in the ass about learn your, you know, study, read more, find out more, and develop your own opinion. That's the most mm. important thing because we'll all have one. So that pretty much sums up today's episode on clothing and fast fashion. But what about the exciting news, Jess? Oh, yeah. You promised, you promised. Yes, the exciting news. Okay, time for the exciting news. So, drum roll. Yes, so we have had a few inquiries about Woke and Confused coming to people's places of work. <gasps> That'd be fun. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so we have been, uh, yeah, thinking about how to make this podcast sustainable and about how we can continue to make more and more episodes in the future. And so that's why we're super excited to launch Woke and Confuse Workplace Sessions. Da -da -da. So this is when uh, Livy and I can come into your workplace. We can talk to your employees. We could lead a conversation on climate change or sustainability or any of the issues we talk about on the podcast and the, really get a conversation going around the kinds of issues we're seeing today and how people can take action. So I do um, lots of talks in workplaces and people really are now wanting to uh, understand what they can do, how their workplace can do something, how they individually can do something. And I think with this format, I mean, it would be just amazing to bring woke and confused into your workplace yeah so we could come and record a session um from your workplace or we could just run a workshop there's lots of different ways we could do it so have a think if you like some of the things we've been talking about on the show and you're encouraged by some of the messages then we'd love to hear from you and you can contact us on our website wokeandconfused.com there's a contact form and then we can go into a bit more about the rates and the costs for it because as we mentioned, it's all about being sustainable. Yes, indeed. So we'd love to come to your workplace. So do drop us a line. Bye for now, Jess. Bye, Livy.